Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Oldham. And today on the show, we have a long time, I don't know about uh long time person who I've known, Charles Dobbins. And, and Charlie, I'm super happy to have you on the show. I know we've known each other for uh for quite a while now. and I've done quite a, <laughs> quite a bit of work for your podcast. So I'm excited yeah. to talk to you today. You know, it, it's it's amazing how we met. You know, I was buying jewelry for my wife and, uh, your mother was the jewelry salesperson and she said, she said, Oh, my son, he has a podcast. He does all this stuff on podcast. Said, oh, really? Cause everyone's telling me I need to have a podcast and, uh, I just don't want to do a podcast. Well, you should talk to him. And so that's how we, we started connecting. And, uh, and now what about two or three years mm-hmm. later? Um, uh, I, you know, they, they took me kicking and screaming to podcasting. Now I wish it was the only thing I did for a living. I wish, you know, I could monetize it because I absolutely love it. It's a, it's so fun. Uh, I, I found out and you know, like you've heard my intro, I'm pretty good at it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you get all those people that say great question, great question, great question. That's like my goal. And I'm going to set it up, um, so that, uh, when the next time somebody says it, uh, it, a, a little basket drops down with a duck in it and a hundred dollar bill, just like the old Groucho Marx, you bet your life, uh, uh, thing. So, which I know, I know, Trevor, you have no idea who I'm talking about. I know. I mean, no, I just it. like, uh, who's that guy you always mentioned? Don Rickles too. Also, <laughs> I know you always yes, mention I him. am, I am the Don Rickles of multifamily investing. That's, that is so true. Yep. The things I say, the things I get away with even shock me sometimes. <laughs> Don Rickles would be proud. So, yes. All right. Hit me up. Hit me. Go ahead. Yeah. Now I'm on the hot seat. Now I'm now I'm the one on the Budweiser hot seat. So <laughs> yeah, go yeah. ahead. See, see if you can ask any good questions. Awesome. You know, the way that I typically like to start these interviews, I would love to just, you know, talk into how you got started in real estate investing. What was that, you know, what was that decision like? You know, most people, they aren't born, you know, in real estate. They aren't born reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There was somewhere along the lines where something happened in your life that you realized that you wanted to have a nice, you know, income stream coming in. And, what was sort of, you know, how did you go about that? What were the thought processes, you know, if you could take yourself back to when you first got into the business? Okay. Um, and I'll use it by, you know, give, giving you some examples. One of the examples that I teach with is I, t- I ask people, what, what's the worst time of the week? And uh, I came up with this when I was, I was teaching in front of a whole group, and I, it just came over me. I said, Back when I was running my own business, 35 employees, benefits administration, worst business in the world to be in, I hated Sunday nights. I dreaded Sunday nights. It was the most miserable, uh, stressful time in my week. And so as I'm up there teaching this, I asked the people, I said, what's the, what, what was the worst, what's the worst time in your life, in your week? And, you know, people kind of like quiet. And I said, mine was Sunday nights. And as soon as I said it, I saw everybody's head start to bob up and down. Like, 
I thought it was just me, but all these other people were in the same boat. We were just, we hated our lives. We hated what we did and something had to give. And, you know, there are two types of people in the world. The ones who say, no, I've, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. And the other ones who just go through life just every Sunday night, dreading Sunday nights and drudging through it. I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to wake up, you know, at age 65 with my life, you know, mostly over and, uh, God willing and, and, and say, God, I missed the boat. I, I wish I had done what I've always dreamt of doing. So I told my wife, I said, I want to, I want to sell my business. I want to get out of this and I want to uh, uh, buy apartments because I, she knew I'd always wanted to own apartment buildings. And, um, and, uh, so that's, that was how I made the break. It, you know, one of those things where I sold the business, I burnt the ships. And I had to make it work and, you know, went out there and learned everything I possibly could on, on apartments and, and got started, made huge mistakes, made huge successes. Um, and now, you know, one thing that I absolutely love to do is teach people how to, how to do this business the right way. So they don't make the same mistakes I made so that they, um, they can, uh, uh, go out there and, and do it right quickly so that they don't have to, um, you know, make, you know, go through all the learning lessons that I did. So that's, um, that was kind of the, the mindset for me. Um, but you know, then, then, you know, we, we started looking and we started looking all over the country and, uh, you know, my goal was 20. I want my first building to be a 20 unit building. Cause that's, that's actually how I teach it today. I say, you can own a thousand apartments in five years. All you have to do is start with 20 in your first year. And so that's what we uh, did. I went out looking for 20 and, uh, I met a broker in Cincinnati and she said, uh, oh, okay, okay. I, I know what you're looking for. I know what, I know what you're looking for. as soon as I find the perfect property, I'll give you a call and uh, get your checkbook ready. Two weeks later, she calls us up and said, I found a 128 unit complex. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I can't do 128 because, well, we can carve them up. We can sell off parts of it. And I said, how about if, you know, you just buy the 40 unit class A property? So I thought, okay, well, it's not 20, but let's, uh, let's see what happens. And we worked it all out. And, you know, within, uh, 90 days, we bought our first property for 90 units. Uh, I'm sorry, for 40 units. And, um, and then it just snowballed from there. Um, and, you know, then, the, you know, I, this was all before the, before the crash. So I kept some throughout the crash. I lost some throughout the crash. Um, and, uh, you know, came out on the other side, uh, you know, feeling, feeling pretty good in a good position right now. That's for sure. So. And as you mentioned, you know, I love talking to investors that lived through the crash, you know, started, you know, prior to 2007 and eight. And what was that experience like going, you know, Obviously, there was a lot of issues uh, in the mortgage market and, and regulations, and I'm sure people watched The Big Short. As I know you referenced on your show, you can yeah. you know, pretty have a good idea what happened. Was, how was you able to get through that? And I've heard horror stories of you know banks having balloon payments due on loans, and obviously people don't have the money, and 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 things like that happen. But what was that experience like going through and and overcoming that? Because I feel as though a lot of people like the real estate market now. You know, maybe you know prices depending on the market. Might be a little bit too too pricey, but I feel like a lot of people, you know, they haven't experienced that. As you look, you know, that's about ten, you know, twelve years old now. No one's really years, experienced yeah. the crash. Everyone feels right now that the prices are going up and up and up. So, what was that experience like living through that crash? Oh, well, I tell you, it's it's amazes me some of these gurus out there right now who have never lived through a crash. And there's one in particular who's out there buying everything class A and overpaying for everything. And his justification is that, hey, hey, 
you know, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, prices will always go up on apartments. That was what he said. It's on, it's online and you can hear the guy say it. And, uh, I thought to myself, that guy's 10 years old because he obviously mm-hmm. didn't look through the last crash because I can tell you right now, I had property that never came back in value. And like you said, you know, balloon payments, you know, knock on the door. Um, you just you drop the keys in the desk of the bank and say, thanks for, thanks for the good times. So, um, yeah, it, w- it was, it was stressful. I remember, when it all happened, we were about 30 days away from closing on a 282-unit uh, complex. And the bank that had approved us and was ready to go, you know, called us up and said, hey, guess what? We're um, we're, we're not going to give you your loan, even though we, we approved you. We're getting out of the multifamily business. And, you know, fortunately, our, bro- our broker scrambled to find somebody else, and, and he did. Um but, you know, that should have been a red flag. We should never have bought that property because, you know, but we were like, hey, we got, you know, our money's hard. We got to make this happen. So it was um, it was a very tricky, tricky period. Um, and, you know, a couple of things that I learned is that uh, your lender is huge. Um, having a relationship with your lender is fantastic. I had properties with local lenders. I call them Fred's Bank. Uh, and I had um, uh, loans with uh, the government-sponsored entities, the GSEs, the Fannie and the Freddies. And when the when it all hit the fan, uh, the GSEs, you don't, you're nothing to them. They're just, hey, we yeah, had congratulations. You never missed a mortgage payment, and you know uh, the the property's operating, but your note's coming due, and you've got no equity in the property because the cap rate skyrocketed, and uh, there's nothing more we can say. So either come up with a million bucks, or we're going to take the keys. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait! Don't don't take my property. I've been killing myself keeping this thing going, and you know occupancy is great, and all the bills get paid every single month, and everybody's happy. We don't care. We need the million bucks. And, you know, I won't get into the whole how CMBS works, how, you know, grandma wants her money. Um, but, uh, that's what happens when you deal with those entities that give you the, the, um, um, non-recourse loans. They give you the better interest rates. They give you the better amortization schedules. But when things get tough, you're just nothing to them as opposed to Fred's bank. And I'll tell you, we paid a higher interest rate. We paid, uh, you know, a shorter term, uh, shorter amortization. Um, but when it got tough, I sat down with the bank president uh, at a diner in Michigan, and we ate French fries together, and we came up with a solution for how, you know, we would restructure the loan. So, you know, that's the type of thing that you don't learn, you know, from in some of these boot camps uh, that you can only learn by by actually living the experience. So that's, you know, that's what I teach my students now is like, okay, let's think about this for a second. Let me, you know, you you know, you're getting great terms, but, you know, there's something something's going to give in this marketplace. So uh, and there really is. It's there's something that has to give in this marketplace and I can't figure out what it is. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you are, you know, you're coming into this marketplace now. It's, we're in a bubble. Yep. We're in a bubble. Uh, but it is entirely different than the last mark, the last crash we were in, the last market we were in. Uh, I mean, uh, like you said, you, you know, I reference the big short all the time. I love that movie. That movie is unbelievable. You got to watch that movie 20 times and you will always learn something new, uh, on that movie. And I tell you, one of the most impactful parts of that movie was when, um, was when the, uh, 
uh, Stephen Carell was in the strip club with the stripper and he's talking to her and she says, yeah, I own six condos. And it just like made his head explode and made him realize, oh my gosh, we're, we have a huge problem here. And he's absolutely right. And back then the problem was that these, you know, uh, no, no, lo- no doc loans, you know, banks would do anything to get their money on the street. Um, now fast forward to today and we're in another type of bubble. But there are two things that are significantly different than than what happened last time. Number one is the underwriting of loans from multifamily properties over the last 10 years has been very sound. It is based upon conservative underwriting, excellent analysis, excellent information, and the banks are not stupid like they were back then. Back then, I can tell you right now, uh, Trevor, you never did a, a multifamily deal uh, before. If you could fog a mirror, they'd give you a multifamily loan. Today, no, not so much. You, there's a lot of, of restrictions and protections built into the underwriting now that helps our industry, that protects our industry from stupid loans and, you know, overpriced properties. Well, we'll talk about overpriced properties in a moment. But, um, but the other the other thing that is different than the last time is the demand for our product. Mm. I'm here in southern New Hampshire. The occupancy rate in southern New Hampshire is for the state is ninety nine percent. That's not good for the economy. It's it's just not good for the economy. I mean, you have to be able to bring people in uh, and and grow. You go in, and I just did a whole class last night on uh, analyzing uh, markets, uh, and we looked at the population growth and you know where they are. You guys can get this information at your fingertips. It's so powerful. Like I just did a um, I just did an analysis uh, of um, you know all the MSAs and over the last ten years which markets have grown the fastest and you can, you can structure this. And there are many MSAs that are, have had negative population growth over the last 10 years. Is it yours? Have you done the analysis or you just listen to what every other uh, wishful investors is telling you about your market? You've got to dig down deep and figure it out. Uh, but that's the thing is our product is, has never been stronger. Um, and, that is another contributing factor to why the prices of our products just keep keeps going up and there's no end in sight. But I'm just everything I just told you is strictly in the multifamily sector. I haven't even talked to you about what's going on with inflation, about how the government has just flooded this this economy with cash. Interest rates have to go up. When interest rates go up, things are going to change. We we just can't figure it all out yet. You know, you know there are some uh, geniuses out there that that will tell you exactly. But you take cryptocurrency and you start throwing that in the mix. There's there are things out there that we've never had, we've never seen before, and we don't know how it's all going to play out. It's going to be fascinating. I just hope it's. Uh, and, and the thing is, and uh, Trevor, you know, I'm I'm 72 years old, um, you know, and uh, uh, you know, the, my generation is retiring with the least amount of equity to their names than any other generation because we have the people born in the 60s have lived through three real estate cycles. I've been through three crashes in my lifetime. That has wiped me out. I, I was, I, I can tell you, I was a dot-com millionaire, gone. 
overnight gone. Uh, I had uh, in a lot of uh, multifamily property gone uh, after 2008. So I've I've lived this before, um, and I've seen it, and it's just not uh, you know it may happen again. I'm in a totally different position than I was before, and I'm not going to be stupid again. So that's for darn sure. So. Hey, are you going to interview me or what? You're just going to let me talk. <laughs> I like what I'm going to be the easiest interview subject you've ever had. Oh, most certainly. But I can definitely agree on, on the, on the bubble and, and talking with other real estate investors. You know, no one, no one knows what's going to happen, but I can tell you, you know, being in Massachusetts and looking, you know, I'm trying to buy my first two, three or four family and the prices Good. just, just don't, they just don't make sense for the quality. Yeah. For one, the, like you'll take a $500,000, um, you know, three family and the rents don't even cover the mortgage that they're collecting and they're selling yeah. it as an investment property. And my goal would be to live in the property and, and rent out the other two units. But I'm like, how can you call it an investment property when the, the rents in the area wouldn't even cover the mortgage? And then people are going in and offering, you know, a hundred thousand over asking that. And it's, yeah. it seems, uh, it seems crazy to me. And then even on the flip side, my, my fiance is from upstate New York. I've been looking at properties there. The numbers work a little bit better. And, and just last week I was looking at a two family. I think it was, uh, I think it was 175,000. The rents on it were going to be about 1200 per unit. So 2400 a month. And then I asked like the realtor, could she send me over like a rent roll? Could she send me over, you know, I just want to make sure that the person has been paying the rent and she just couldn't provide it to me. And that also worries me when you get the forbearance as well. It's like, if I inherit this property, like, are these people paying their rent? Yes or no. Yeah. Cause I don't want to take on a property and, and have that person skate free. And I know at least in New York, I think they extended the forbearance period until yeah. till September, which is crazy to me because the real estate investors still, they still got to get paid. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's like a whole debacle. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I'll tell you, you better check the, um, check that MSA because, uh, upstate New York was one of the markets that had a, uh, a negative population mm. growth. That's a, that's a tough, uh, there are parts of upstate New York that I wouldn't go near at all. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, there are some things where the, um, uh, where the, uh, um, you cannot um, justify the price, and the only way you can justify the price is if it is an owner-occupied per- person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. And right? we don't, we don't, as investors, we don't want those those numbers. Now, the um, uh, I was just looking at a property just this morning. Um, it, it's a four, it two buildings, eight units. Okay, um, and. They, the realtor said in the, in the write-up, she said, okay, uh, you know, just is a handyman special, you know, two of the units just need to have a few things done to it and then you'll have a fully occupied eight unit, two, two building property. And you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking, so for $750,000, eight units, those eight units, you're not even come, going to come close to breaking even on that on that property every single month. You're losing money every single month, and it. But they're selling it as a handyman special. Um, it's a really a teardown. I'm looking at it to, to tear it down and and, and build uh, um, you know either townhouses or or you know a small apartment building. Uh, but even then, the numbers that I need it to be, I need it to be half that price. Mm. I need to, for my my uh, scenario to work based upon, and this is the other problem. This is why another reason why we're having the problems. The government restricts what I can build there, and so I, you know, the numbers don't make any sense. So I have to make sure that the um, that before I make an offer on it, 
I can get it through the zoning and I can get it through planning and I can make sure that I can build a certain number of units. That's the only way the numbers are going to work. And, and right now, like you said, some of these numbers just don't make sense, mm-hmm. you know, and something has to give, something has to give. So, but the problem is, and this is, this is all ties together is the government has flooded so much cash into the, into the marketplace that people have so much money. They're just going out there and, and using that cash to overpay for properties. You know, and, and part of it, I can't, really can't blame them because real estate's a hard asset, and in times of inflation, you want to have your cash in, into in hard assets, uh, and so that's the right thing to do. That's what I did. I had a you know uh, an opportunity to buy some land, and I jumped at it. So just get get rid of my cash. So that's excellent. And and now I want to flip the page to how you've been able to to grow your to grow your real estate business and to continue to add. One unit says, I'm sure you're probably not using only your cash. I'm sure you're bringing on partners or, or other investors. And, and from that side of the business, how is, how has that been? Are you only looking to work with accredited investors? I guess just yeah. take us through that, take us through that sort of process on, on how you raise the capital, how you present the deal to them, how you tap into your network, all that, all that good stuff. So when I started out, I was the sponsor. I was the, uh, the lead, uh, guy. I was out there raising the private money. Buying the properties, being the the uh, the, the uh, manager on the LLC, um, I can tell you, you know, since the crash and what have you, and, and um, we have predominantly been more LPs, more silent partners, um, and my consulting practice uh, is has just taken off, and I have more fun with that than uh, than anything else, uh, and so we've decided to put more of our investment, more of our, our cash into. Uh, uh, the LP side of the multifamily deals, you know, having been the sponsor, having been the GP, you know, I know exactly what, what to look for when you're looking for, uh, you know, a good, good property, good syndication. And, you know, I, I uh, bring it to the, bring some uh, added uh, experience to the table, uh, which really helps out my GPs, which is great. You know, that's fine. That's all I want to do is, you know, just, you know, play uh, a nice place to park my money. Now, um, having said that, I, I'm in a, involved in a partnership of, uh, you know, four other investors with my, with my partner, Jillian Sidoti, um, where we are, uh, looking to be the GP on, on some of these deals. And believe me, the, the, the experience in this group is, is unbelievable. Uh, but we're out there looking for the right deal. And, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I'll, I just got the, uh, an email from, from one of the partners today. He said a deal that we put an offer in on, um, you know, there are 18 other offers and nine of them are at the best and final, uh, highest, uh, best and final, uh, stage. And it, the broker originally came out and said that the property was going to trade at $130,000 per unit. And right now they're at $146,000 per unit. And, you know, it's just that's in that world that we're looking in where, you know, we're bumping up against those types of uh, scenarios, but I'm not going to overpay for property. I'm, I would, as I say, if you overpay, there's, you can fix anything on a multifamily deal except overpaying for it. You can just go drop the keys on the bank's desk because you're not going to get that money back. And, and life's too short to have to sit around and wait for it to wait to recoup it. So I'm not going to do it. I'm, 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 I look at me, look at me, Trevor. I'm <laughs> 72 years old. I mean, I'm not going to keep doing this, man. I, you know, one of these times, I just want to go sit under a tree and relax. So, yeah, that's that's excellent and excellent advice for our audience. And you know, going back a couple of years, I know when we had first met, whether that was two or three years ago, I think you just got back from a ClickFunnels event with with yeah. Russell Brunson, and and you were just yeah. you know you're you're farther far along in the, in the multifamily investing academy. But how's that been? You know, I know you're doing phenomenal. You know, probably back in 2017, 2018, whenever we had first yeah. met, and then you know I. 
how have you been able to grow it? You know, what's that? I know you, you mentioned that you, you really enjoy doing it. Oh yeah. So we've, we've been, I, I've really, uh, kind of, uh, put the multifamily investing academy on ice. Uh, and my partner, Jillian Sidoti and I have now started the multifamily war room and that's been great. It's great having a partner that you really like and that get along with fantastically. And she's a lawyer and I'm a lawyer. We just come at everything. It's so good to have a partner where, uh, you know, if I'm not around to make the decisions and she decides to make it, make a decision for the business, I have no doubt she made the right decision mm. for the business. We, she and I just think exactly the same, uh, which is a really nice, nice, um, situation to be in. Um, and so she she's a she's a phenomenal marketer. She uh, does all the social media marketing. She knows all the 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 tricks of, of the trade, uh, and that really because I I I just know multifamily. I know you know multifamily transactional law. That's my that's my specialty. Um, and they you know like I said they kick, they bring me kicking and screaming to the marketing side. But all business is marketing, even if you're just trying to be a syndicator on a multifamily deal. You need to understand that your business is marketing and you got to get out there and market your product. And, uh, otherwise you just, you know, it's just all of us sitting around looking at each other. So yeah, it's, um, th- there's, uh, um, every day, the first half of every day for us is all marketing. Mm. Um, and you know, whether it's us, you know, working with our, our ghostwriter for, for the book we're working on or whether it's, um, doing the podcast and all that stuff. Every, the first part of every morning is strictly marketing. After that, you can you go take care of your clients, and you know that that's how we do it. And it's it's worked out, uh, you know, unbelievably well. I mean, I, I'm amazed at. I looked at our revenue numbers, you know, first first eight months. We've been in business for eight months, and we're a seven figure company. So you know, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Charlie, I want to be respectful of your time and i just have a couple of final questions i want to ask you before because right, because trevor after i hang out with you i'm just going to play golf buddy you know that's what that's, Wait. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Wait. That. yeah jealous jealous of that i got a couple more yeah. a couple more interviews a couple more client calls and i'm actually sure driving uh driving from massachusetts to upstate new york today so i got a nice two-hour drive on the on the back oh. end and i had a yeah, a bunch of a bunch of things going on. So a little bit of jealous, uh, jealous of that. But um, for for our audience out there, you know, do you happen to have a favorite real estate investing book or, or business book that you'd recommend to them? Oh well, you know, I always talk about E Myth Revisited, but I think that one's getting kind of a little bit long in the tooth. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I did a whole podcast uh, in, a, in a session on uh, Big Shifts Ahead. Mm-hmm. That book is phenomenal. I actually interviewed uh, one of the authors. Um, on my podcast, Chris Porter, um, uh, Big Shifts Ahead is a phenomenal book. Um, I also like 12 Week Year. Uh, I, um, uh, Jim Moran, I, I interviewed him. Here's my, here's my, uh, 12 Week Year Planner. Uh, that, that's a great book. Um, oh man, I, I'm not in my studio right now, but you would have seen all of my books in the back. Oh, you know, it's a great one. It was actually shocking. And I, this one is, I would love to get the author on one of my podcasts, uh, is the color of law. Mm. And it's all about, um, uh, uh, institutional racism. And you hear that term bandied about by, Oh, you're racist. Oh, you're systemic racism, all this stuff. What does that really mean? Like what, give me an example of what, what is institutional racism? What is systemic racism? Who's guilty of it? Who does it? Oh my gosh, that book, uh, it'll blow you away, uh, as, as to understand how bad our country has been 
in the racist camp. And it's not, it's not, um, it's not uh, de facto uh, racism. Uh, it's not uh, really on the on the personal level. Like like Trevor, you and I aren't racist, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, we'll just assume we're not racist. It's de jure segregation. It's it's laws segregation um, created by the law created by our government, um, and it's and that's where the real racism is, and that perp- perpetuates the the the, the individual racism. Uh, when, when, you know, hey, our neighborhood is all black. Hey, our neighborhood is all white. Well, why is that? Why is that? It's because the government set rules back in, in, you know, actually it was a, it was a, a 1912, uh, or 17 Supreme Court case, Buchan- the Buchanan case that really started zoning so that, t- and they wrote it in such a way that towns, the cities and towns could, could fix the zoning laws, um, but still not be racist. And still like, oh, well, we're, we're, hey, no, we're, no, we didn't mean that you know, black people can't live here. What we're saying is this, and then th- that would not overcome the, the Buchanan rule from the Supreme Court. And that's how, really, if you go back and look, zoning started to take off in cities and towns back after that Buchanan law. And so pe- so the government could set where people live and, and really control that. And then you fast forward to the thing that kills me, that actually drives me crazy, is to think you know, all those Tuskegee uh, airmen, all those those black fighter pilots who were flying the P-51s and they were, you know, had the red tails and they, you know, they were had great stories. They protected, they, you know, all, all of our pilots, the B-17s, they loved seeing them come in. Those guys couldn't get VA loans when they came home. What? What? Yeah, they couldn't get VA loans. And here's why. Because the government determined who could get where which builders could get the VA loans and if there were any blacks in the in the development they were they were denied so they could, had to go somewhere else you ever you know you've heard of Levittown this is the last point here I'm going to make you heard about Levittown in New York and, and Pennsylvania Levittown in New York no black people do you think Mr. Levitt was a racist no, he wasn't. He was he was one of the nicest men around. He, he actually went out and built another community just for black people. But the FHA and the VA wouldn't. They redlined it. They you know they, they said we won't give mortgages if there are black people living in this neighborhood. That's how or the color of law. I wanted I want to do a podcast with the author. The book it's 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 reprehensible to think what our government you know. And I'm telling you, it's not just oh you Republicans. No, these are the Democrats too. So don't try to think you're you know you're holier than thou. It's both sides. It's it's disgusting. And uh, you know that's where if anyone is is beholden to a political party, shame on you. Open your eyes. They're all a bunch of crooks. So um, yeah, so there I have. Okay, you got it out of me, Trevor. You got it out of me. <laughs> Yeah, so, I'll see. I'll see what I can do about that. That author, I'll, I'll reach out to. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah, that's right. I've asked you to try to get that guy for me. Yeah, Robert, yeah, read, Robert Rothstein, I think his name is. Yeah, let me yeah, he's that. a professor, or uh, he's a professor. He's not even a lawyer, and the whole book is about the law. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, I would love to get that guy on my on my podcast. Yeah, 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 I'll see. I'll see what I can do for you, and then. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. And then the last question I have is: is where can our audience find find you and, and learn a little bit more about you in, in the multifamily war room? 
Yep. So I got, right now I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around with two websites as we, uh, we're slowly migrating everything over to the multifamilywarroom.com. But, but you can, you can see my Trevor produced podcast at, uh, uh, multifamilyinvestingacademy.com. And, uh, that's really where you can go find a whole bunch of stuff about me and, and what I do. And, and then multifamily war room will show you what, uh, Jillian and I do together. Uh, we have two, we have two programs. Uh, we have the chairman's council and the executive council. Um, and it's, uh, it's, I'm just loving it. I'm having so much fun, uh, with that program and, uh, really working with, uh, directly with investors, students, students looking to get into multifamily business. So. Perfect. We'll make sure to include those in the show notes and and thank you for your time today. Thanks, Trevor, man. Good to see you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.